Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talks. To look ahead to this week's Premier League clash between Norwich City and Leicester City at Carrow Road, and plenty to get our teeth into this week. There's been uh, two games from a Norwich from a Norwich City perspective for us to discuss, and I'm delighted to be in the company of Norwich fan. Ben Ambrose, uh, who also does some stuff for, for the Norwich Talk fan channel, as well as Jake Watson, Leicester City fan, Talk Sport, BT Sport. I think I've ticked all of those off. Hopefully, people haven't turned off at the Talk Sport. Jake, I'll give you credit because, I mean, we, we're going to have to address the elephant in the room, I think. You you did, to be fair to you, go on air and, and, and defend Norwich City. Um, so, so let's give you credit for that straight away. Let's... Um, well, let's ask you what this week has been like, because you, you're obviously a Norwich boy, not a Norwich fan, but a Norwich boy. So it yeah. must have been relatively interesting for you, given the events that have taken place, shall we say? I basically had to go into hiding for a couple of days. Um, so it, was, it was the Sunday night, wasn't it? Um, the the comments made by Alex, shall we say. So I woke up Monday morning because I do I do the super early morning show on, on TalkSport. And and I'd had a few messages from from various Norwich fans that that obviously I know and and who know me who work works at Talksport. So I was like, well, what what's what's been said? So I went and had a look at the clip, um, and I think it goes without saying that I I do disagree with what Alex said, and and I said I said as much on air. Um, but yeah, it's been a very very interesting week for me, particularly obviously being fully aware that I've got this game coming up this weekend and I'm, I'm heading back to, to Norwich this weekend to, to see some friends and family. But at the same time, kind of a little bit, as I said, in, in hiding that my association and, and guilty by because of because of what Alex said. So obviously I need to be a little bit careful with with what I say because Alex is a, he's a friend and he is a colleague. And I have to say he is an outstanding journalist. He really is. Um, but I have to make it very clear. I do completely disagree with what he did say. And I'd like to think that um, having had time to reflect, he probably hopefully thinks the same, but, you know, probably can't say as such or say as much um, now that it's out there. But, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been, been an interesting week for me. Yeah, absolutely. I might, I might come to Ben in, in in just a minute on this, but um, we we won't, we won't, I don't want to, I don't want to grill you, so to speak, but, (laughs) <laughs> why why do you think and, and this is probably a broader question you obviously work on on talk sport there are other national outlets as well it's not just talk sport that have got no city wrong there, there are various other sort of outlets mm. as well and, and and as you stress there it's just alex's opinion rather than than anything else why do you think those outlets get no city so wrong what is it about no city that those people maybe don't or, or fail to understand in in kind of the grand picture of 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 the premier league is it that is it the lack of narrative? I suppose you look at Brentford, who have come up, and mm. there's this kind of fairy tale element. I, I kind of compare them to maybe Blackpool when they came out, sort of ten, maybe a bit over ten years ago. Is it kind of that element? It's it's boredom a little bit with Norwich yo-yoing. What do you think it is? Yeah, I mean, I think the the yo-yoing thing is is for some people a bit of an issue. Um, it is a lack of understanding. But if I'm completely honest, I wouldn't go as far as to say there's any sort of agenda. Um, and I can't speak for, for other national media and and whatnot or other or other journalists. But I think by and large, Norwich are very much appreciated and enjoyed. You know, um, I think most people recognise they are a, a very well-run football club. Um, they play nice football. There's there's not really anything to dislike about Norwich. Um, I think the only thing that, that people are obviously perhaps a tad frustrated by is 
is that inability to to stay in one division. Um, and I mean, we understand the reasons why. You know, it's not as straightforward as it's just going up to the Premier League and becoming a Premier League side. It's it's a lot more difficult than that, particularly with the way um, that Norwich has to operate. Um, so yeah, I wonder if it's it's simply just that that there's there's not really anything else to to dislike about Norwich. So people have decided that they're frustrated with the the yo-yo club element of it. And uh, and that's what they're going to kind of go with. But, you know, I, I don't think that there's any real agenda. But I understand at the same time, you know, when there's any sort of criticism that comes your way, um, you know, in, in the local area, it does attract, I don't know, it hurts a little bit, doesn't it? You know, when, when, when your football club, which you know is run so well, is criticised. And I, I think that perhaps people did take it a little bit too personally because the reality is, is that it's football. Um, everyone's got an opinion, whether it's right or wrong. And, uh, you know, Imagine what it's like being an Arsenal fan. You know, they get that sort of attention and criticism every single day, you know? So so maybe it's just a little bit kind of strange because Norwich aren't used to that sort of criticism. Yeah, yeah, quite quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, ben, I'll, I'll kind of throw this over to you. What has been your thoughts on the whole situation in, in general? And again, you can probably broaden it out and say Norwich's perception nationally, but obviously the, those comments in particular have... have kind of gained a lot of traction I think amongst the Norwich fans. As a Norwich fan does it make you more eager for, for them to stay up and prove people wrong? How do you kind of view how this week has gone and kind of the discourse around Norwich? I honestly I don't mind people being sick of Norwich sort of bouncing between the leagues because I am as well to be honest with you at times. I just didn't like the questioning of sporting integrity. That was my only issue with the whole thing. I, I thought that was disrespectful to Norwich especially when you've got um, what was it? The was I've what it's called now the Super League or whatever, yeah. um, right around the corner, and, and that's actually still going on. And then you're questioning Norwich City um, to a very large audience. I just think delegation of time needs to be managed a bit better. Um, but other than that, I, I ignore the noise. Seriously, um, I have no issue with it. I think you're right, Jake. Some people maybe took it a bit personally. It is just football, right? I know football is important to a lot of people, but. It's just football at the end of the day. We're just watching a game of football. Um, so I don't take it too personally. It, it made me laugh a bit. I thought it was quite funny because it seemed very lazy. It seemed like he hadn't done his research. And for me, I, I found that quite funny um, because most of the things he said about Norwich were wrong, like straight up just wrong. Um, and I'm just like, OK, sure. Because we're used to it. Um, the, the 1920 season, the 2019-2020 season, there was a lot of it. You look at the match of the day, pundits, Alan Shearer absolutely loved calling Norwich naive, didn't he? Um, so you get used to sort of the national media just thinking Norwich are here for a holiday, um, which I have no issue with, as I said. Um, it, again, it depends how you want Norwich to be perceived. I think people need to not worry about that. It's kind of difficult when it's all over your Twitter feed because Twitter really did go crazy for it. Um, even sort of beyond Norwich, it was it, it was a bit of a storm, wasn't it? Um, so it's kind of hard to avoid it. But and I, again, I say this from a position of not taking stuff personally. That like I've got fairly thick skin. Just just don't worry about it. You know, he's obviously got into his job. I, I can't remember the guy's name. Sorry, but he's got into his job because he's earned it, right? So let's just not write him off as like a journalist or anything. Um, but at the same time. You know, we all get things wrong. Um, me and you, Connor, ne- never get things wrong about Norwich, do we? But some people do sometimes. But yeah, the, the looming message is genuinely just just don't take it personally and, and, and just get on with it. And as Stuart Webber says, and I'm sure we'll say it time and time again, ignore the noise. Yeah, there's been a lot of listening to the noise, hasn't there? It's um, it, yeah. it, it's, it has been interesting. Um, 
to kind of watch for, from afar. The, the only sort of genuine bit that, that kind of staggers me, and it's, it's not just an Alex problem, a TalkSport problem, whatever, um, just to end on this, and then we'll, we'll focus on, <laughs> on the game. It does seem relatively staggering. Like I saw Gary Neville the other day on Sky Sports as an example, um, and, it, and it was just like, Man United should just go and spend another 150 million. <laughs> it's, it's kind of this... This sort of, and I would, I would argue, is a mainstream view, and, and Norwich have it a lot as well. Well, they should spend more money. They should have a go. That's the quote, isn't it? Um, that's that's that's. Maybe Haven't we spent there. like the sixth most this season? I saw a list. I don't know how reliable that list is, but I saw and it was like Norwich, what fifty-two million or something, and we were like fifth on that list. Yeah, obviously, so, net, net, net spends a lot, a lot lower because of the Buendia. But in terms of what you have spent, yeah, I think you're just behind Leicester in in sixth or seventh. So you know, Alex pointed out, didn't he, that you hadn't reinvested the Buendia money, which which obviously was incorrect. That that Buendia money had been reinvested, um, and this time around, as opposed to last time, you have spent some money. So uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of pretty much kind of rounded that off in terms of what was right and what was wrong in terms of what he said. And, and I agree, Ben, that the sport integrity thing was, um, that, was that, that crossed a line, which was, yeah, which probably irked people the most more than anything else he said. And, and I agree that that crossed the line and was, was very much incorrect. Good stuff. Well, I think we've we've covered that nicely. So let's let's look into <laughs> to Saturday's game then, Jake. Let's um, let's start with you. It, it must be mm. it must be pretty good to be a Leicester fan at the minute, mustn't it? Um, I mean, when you consider the the position that the club has been in in the past, I remember um, very well various managers that, that Leicester have had over the years. They've they've been in League One. They've had financial issues. This must be like a a fairy tale for you guys. You, you've seen Leicester now play in the Champions League, win the league, consistently be viewed as, as as a relative force in the Premier League. This must be a dream come true compared to the position they were in ten years ago. Yeah, honestly, um, it is it is incredible, and you know I often find myself thinking about the things I've seen over the last six or seven years, and it, it is actually genuinely um, kind of pinch yourself. You know, we've we've won the Premier League, we've won the FA Cup, we've won the Community Shield. You've reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League. You've had two fifth place finishes. I mean, and the reality is we're a little bit disappointed that we haven't managed to to get actually inside that top four over the last couple of seasons. And it's all been done, um, you know, under a very, very attractive and, and correct way of, of building up a football club. You know, I, I think that, yes, Leicester do have the means in terms of their owners, but they've never overspent. You know, everything that we do spend is is through the money that they've recouped and you know there's so many Premier League football clubs with the same means as Leicester but aren't as good as Leicester and and, and why is that when it's the way that the football club has been run so um, yeah when things do go wrong and when you do miss out on the top four I feel like lots of other football fans would be absolutely heartbroken and and gutted And, and whilst we're disappointed we're able to kind of take a step back and say do you know what it's not all that bad you know things are pretty good being a Leicester fan. As, as people obviously talk about the title win, um, a more interesting kind of what has happened since, because a lot of clubs in, in that situation, if they have a fairy tale season like that, obviously you, you have a natural, which Leicester had as well, the kind of natural drop off. But since then, it seems to have been a fairly sustainable run at things. And, and you talk about building a football club and doing that sustainably and successfully. Leicester are, are kind of viewed now as the model club and, and the way to do that, which as a supporter, again, must bring you sort of enormous pride, the way that Brendan Rodgers, again, has, has got, Leicester playing the way that they've done it there as a fan that must be that must be tremendous to, to have watched for, for the last few years since that title win 
Mm. Do you know what? It's almost frustrating, Connor, that people don't talk about Leicester more. You know, I I, I work in in this industry in national media where all we ever seem to want to talk about is is football clubs being crap. You know, talking about Spurs, <laughs> talking about Arsenal, about how rubbish they are. I mean, trust me, it gets boring. But the reality is, is that obviously when you're one of those big six clubs, that's where the most fans are. And and when you're angry, you know, I've listened to Canary call a million times before. I bet you that, that those guys get more calls when Norwich play rubbish than when they play well. That's the reality of, of, of football. So actually, in a weird way, it frustrates me that why can't we just all talk about how well run Leicester is as a football club? Because there's so much that people could learn from it in terms of that ownership, you know, in terms of that that transfer strategy, um, in terms of the way that they play. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned Brendan Rodgers and the slump post-title win. The reality is, is that since Brendan came in, he's he, he has really kind of stabilised and, and, and kind of, taking in all the, the the tools that were available to him at the football club and and really pushed us on to, to the point that, you know, if the owners walked away, if Brendan walked away, if we sold a couple of players, I think that the football club would still be in, in the same position. It's it's now a genuine um, football club which can sustain the success that it's had. You know, this isn't purely because of the money that the owners have or, or the way that Brendan's managed. The whole football club now and the foundations there are there for for a good football club and 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 yeah you know I could I could kind of wax lyrical about the way that Leicester has been run until I'm you know until my my, my cheeks ache from from smiling too much but yeah no if, if there's any frustration whatsoever I just wish that more people can actually take note of of what's actually happening at Leicester because the reality is is that that no other football club has done it in the Premier League I don't think ever and uh, it, it is pretty cool it's pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, so it's a remarkable story, and there's there's obviously been sort of tragedies among the way as well, which mm. maybe we'll, we'll come back to in 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 a, little, in a little bit. But Ben, I know it's kind of different levels and different parallels, but there are a lot of similarities between the way Norwich and Leicester try and do things. I mean, you, you mentioned the recruitment strategy, Jake. It's Norwich try and adopt a similar one that that kind of um, buy cheap, sell high kind of philosophy that that we see clubs well, across across England now looking to to replicate. It's a very difficult strategy to build up. So given what Jake has said there and about Leicester being well run, do you kind of feel the same about Norwich, Ben, and, and, and that there are similarities between the two clubs? Yeah, I mean, we shop in different markets because I think obviously Leicester's purse is a, a little bit bigger. Um, whilst you were talking there, Jake, I, I took a little look at um, Leicester's record signings, three mm. players over £30 million for a team that realistically is going to be contending for top four is, in modern football especially, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, when Norwich are in the Premier League, I like to take the attitude of, I hate every other Premier League team. When we're out of it, I, I don't care. <laughs> Whereas genuinely, I like Leicester. I like watching Leicester. I like everything about Leicester. Um, it's just, and it is a result of them winning the Premier League. I'm not going to pretend that I followed them before. Like, I won't even try and pull the wool over your eyes. Um, and when it came to Leicester, I was really impressed with, after you won the league, obviously that's the most impressive thing, but I genuinely think it's as impressive to have picked up and essentially be challenging again for, for top four because no one thought you'd do that, nobody, because it just wouldn't have made any sense, especially after that kind of fall-off, really, um, with Ranieri. And then I, I didn't really pay that much attention whilst um, was it Claude Puel, Claude is that Puel. his name? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Whilst we, we he was in charge. Much attention either, ben, don't worry. There you go, yeah. I read, <laughs> I read a lot of things saying this one was quite urgent. Yeah, since urgent then, is a good word. Is that a polite word to describe yeah. it? <laughs> but I heard a lot about that. Um, and the fact that you've come back from that, it's just, it's impressive. And I, I do like Leicester and I like the comparisons to Norwich um, because it's a compliment to Norwich in that when you look to sign a player, 
you look into the value of what they bring to the club rather mm. than the instant success. Like Man United bringing someone like Edison Cavani in. He'll play 15 games in the season, maybe score seven goals. Does it progress them as a club? No. No, it doesn't. And you see it time and time again with big clubs. Um, again, £40 million transfer record for Leicester. The teams they're contending with have 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 now with Man City um, million record spends. And it, it's just, it's nice to see. And I, and I, do, I do actually believe in the, the, um, the comparison in terms of the way the club is run, which is by people who care. It's not by some very rich American who's looking to make it into a franchise rather than a football club. Um, it's run by people who care. The fans are incredibly loyal. The style of football at Leicester is very attractive. It's attempted to be attractive with Norwich. More often is than it isn't. Um, I would like to see us win the Premier League after almost getting relegated. Will it happen? Probably not. But mm-hmm. I, I do like the comparisons and I, I do quite like Leicester. Um, but that is the most you'll see me compliment the team in the Premier League because, again... <laughs> I'm back to hating every Premier League team. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does feel like there's a, a lot of similarities. Well, listen to to you guys speak there, and it it feels like the fans notice that as well, which is um, which is which is pleasing. Ben, let's let's come back to you then. We speak about sort of recruitment strategies and players coming in. I think that sort of lends us nicely to Christoph Scholles and uh, what was some debut. I mean, he, he didn't do much to sort of flatten the hype around him, uh, and his arrival in, in England, did he? Two, two goals, two assists on, on debut. If you're Daniel Farker now, what do you do, essentially? Do, do you throw him straight in? I mean, he said after the game on, on Tuesday that he proved he could swim against championship opposition. Do you go and give him that test in, in the Premier League? Do you just hold him back a little bit? What, what would you do if you were Daniel Farker? And then probably as a second part to that question, what do you think he'll do? Um, what would I do? I, I probably wouldn't start him. I'd start Sergeant, um, And I've made a point on my own podcast where... By the end of this season, I want to see Sargent as the main striker rather than Timu Puki because we talk about value for players. Josh Sargent, top flight experience, 21 years old, a very, very bright future. Timu Puki, without Emi Buendir especially, 32 years old at the end of the season. Absolutely love him. Would love him to stay at the club. A great option. But is he the long-term option for Norwich to establish themselves as a Premier League team? No, he's not, sadly. Um, sometimes you have to be ruthless in football, don't you? Norwich have been that this window, haven't they, in terms of players they've let go. Um, that is a result of learning lessons from previous seasons. I wouldn't start Jollis. I don't think he'll start Jollis because it's Daniel Farker, isn't he? He's the most stubborn man on the planet. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same eleven as Man City and Liverpool, to be honest, because it genuinely would be something he'd do. Um, I'd like to see him in the game, though. I think we will as well. It depends on the score, I guess. Although if we're trailing or if we're winning by loads, which you know one's more likely than the other, I think we'll still see him. I would like to see him for about 20 minutes because he isn't the player who's going to keep us in the league. He's 19 years old, first year in England. He's not the type of signing that's going to keep you in the Premier League. But there's no better time than kind of right now after a very, very good performance against Bournemouth where he was very composed for a 19-year-old. Great goal. Um, great two goals, actually, wasn't it? Very intelligent goals. Um, what I quite like about the first one was the sort of dummy before where he composed himself. Sometimes with a 19-year-old and 18-year-old, they sort of they shake a bit, don't they? Especially considering how early it was in the game and they sort of lash at it. But no, that was quite the opposite for him. There was kind of a, a mildly fortunate deflection, but he looks very promising. Um, he looks very quick, very confident on the ball. Um, I remember when me and you spoke about the guy who I do want to see, which is Todd Campwell, back in 2019, where we said... If he's a bit more confident, he'll be a fantastic player. Since then, it was a very simple sort of resolution to his problems. But since then, he's been more confident. He's been very good. 
Cholis already looked very, very comfortable on the pitch, which is only exciting. I'm sure Daniel Farker was probably thinking, can you just calm it down a bit? Because I'm going to have a few moans and groans saying for him to start. Um, again, yeah, I, I wouldn't start him. I'm not too fussed about it. I'd like to see him. but And I know you didn't mention him, but I do want to see Sargent start. And that is because of the reasons I mentioned about sort of longevity in terms of who will bring more to Norwich over the next two or three years. Because I, I, I think that makes sense. I, again, a few people I've said that to, some, some agree, some disagree. So it's kind of Marmite, if you will. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's an interesting point. We saw well Daniel Farker throughout his time as as an Orange head coach has tended just to drip feed players into it. As an Emmy Buendia, for example, didn't get his first. He's very start good at it as well. Very good until at it. until September, for example. Mm-hmm. So um, it may be it may be as you say there. He just um, sort of errs on the side of caution and and doesn't unleash him fully on on Saturday. It's going to be really interesting to see what team he does go for once uh, once that drops. I, I would expect Kenny McLean to return. I think you'd, you'd probably expect Brandon Williams to, to get the nod as well. Um, we, we'll probably come back onto that in a little bit. So hold on to what you're going to say, Ben. Um, Jake, let's, let's come to you. I, I watched the game on, on Monday night. Um, obviously, it changes on a red card, doesn't it, obviously? But what sort of response are you expecting to see from from Leicester on, on Saturday because uh, I think there's this view that they can get sort of they're, they're not really streaky because obviously they, they finish quite well um, usually in, in, in terms of league position but they do go through stages of seasons where they have maybe um, a couple of uh, a couple of mm. bad defeats and then usually more positive ones but do you feel they can get caught up in in, in that defeat could that um, could that linger with them a little bit do you think they will shake it off how do you kind of see Brendan Rodgers reacting to it yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not too sure. Obviously, I hope it's going to be a positive reaction. I mean, Leicester tend to end seasons pretty poorly, but but by and large, they they tend to have every now and again throughout the course of a season just a couple of absolutely awful performances. Um, I'm not sure why, but when Leicester play badly, they play really badly. Um, and unfortunately, Monday was one of them. I know you talk about the red card and how it changed the game, but the reality was is that before that point, Leicester, you could tell, were, were massively off it. Um, they were being bullied. They were being outfought by by West Ham. West Ham looked a lot more confident on the ball, a lot more quicker and sharper. Um, I mean, it has to be stressed that, that Leicester are, at the moment, having a bit of a crisis in terms of defensive injuries again. It seems to happen to us all the time that we're just without defenders and and. You know, you talk about the the last couple of seasons and tailing off. Well, both times we've been missing such vital players towards the back end of of the season. This time we've started the season with no players. So, so for people unawares, you know, we've got no Ryan Bertrand. He should be he's back for the weekend, but he had COVID. Johnny Evans out injured. Wesley Fofana out injured. Yannick Vestergaard injured. Um, we've got Timothy Castagna injured. Vestergaard injured. How long is he yeah. out for? So, so, so um, again, we're hopeful he's going to be back. And then we've still got James Justin injured as well. So obviously we had Wesley Fofana as this outstanding player and he went and broke his leg in a flipping pre-season friendly, which we we're all absolutely gutted by. So we went and signed Yannick Vestergaard and then the next day he gets injured in training. So we've just got really, really bad luck at the moment in terms of defenders. And we've got really good squad depth, but when you've got six injuries to defenders, um, it does have an impact on the way that you play. You know, if you're, if you're a central defender used to playing next to somebody else and then you've got somebody else playing next to you, it just kind of breeds uncertainty, doesn't it? And, and I think you could sense that a little bit defensively at the weekend or on Monday night, sorry. And then once the red card happened, you know, it was it was game over. So, yeah, I'm hoping for a really positive result and response um, from the team on, on Saturday. You know, we have to be confident. We do. But um, as a man who who looks at this fixture as one of the most important ones of the season, 
we tend to, to struggle against Norwich. We do. So I won't lie. Um, I'm personally very nervous about it and not hugely confident, but I'm just hopeful that the players don't have those same kind of nerves and, and scars and, and damage that I've got when it comes to this fixture. Yeah, I think as, as bad as Norwich were two years ago, um, well, I think four, well, four of their 21 points, points yeah. arise yeah. against Leicester. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so so that's that's maybe a positive point yeah. for, for Norwich. You, you mentioned the defensive injuries and uh, I saw Ben smiling. Um, you certainly don't need to mention defend, the, the sort of um, <laughs> yeah. issues of defensive injuries to Norwich fans given what they experienced two years ago. But it was Daniel Amati, wasn't it, at the back um, yeah. I on, mean, on Monday? The, the... The reality is, is that, you know, under usual circumstances, Daniel Amati wouldn't even be in the squad, but he's he's started the last two Premier League games. And, and whilst at best he's OK, I kind of got a bit of a soft spot for him. But as a footballer, he's he's a long way off the rest of, you know, he's a million miles off Johnny Evans and Wesley Fofana. You know, let's 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 be brutally honest. Um, but we are hopeful that Ryan Bertrand is back um, and also hopefully Yannick Vestergaard as well. So if those two are there and Timothy Castagna, if those guys are there, then we'll, we'll have a strong back line. Um, we're just kind of hopeful that they've been managed to be patched up and, and be match fit in, in time for in time for Saturday, really. Absolutely. Um, a man who, who does have a, a lot of talent, James Madison, where is he at in his Leicester career at the moment? He's obviously had some links to Arsenal this summer to, mm. to contend with. Uh, I think he's been linked with Manchester United before in, in the past. He's obviously been involved in some England setups, but yet to really break through there. Where is he kind of at in his kind of Leicester journey at the moment? Um, he's stagnated, if I'm brutally honest. Um, last season, he went through a spell of being absolutely brilliant, um, scoring lots of goals, lots of assists. And I think he reached double figures for both, you know, which is which is no small feat, is it, for for a Premier League player and playing in Europe as well. He was he was absolutely flying. Then he got injured. And, and then following that, that injury, when he got back the back end of last season, couldn't get fit, couldn't find any form to the extent that he didn't even start in the FA Cup final. Now, We've had a summer of, of links to Arsenal. And I think, or I'm led to believe that, that Leicester would have done a deal if Arsenal would have stumped up the cash. Because I think they're quite concerned um, about his long-term injury issues. I think he's got a problem with his hip, which they can't seem to kind of get right. And I think Leicester would have done a deal at £60 million, but Arsenal just didn't have the cash. He's played the last two games and he's been very average at best. Um, he's, just, he's just unable to get into the game. And and I would say that's been a bit of a theme throughout his Leicester career, that, that whilst overall he has been a success, no question, in each one of his three seasons, he's never managed to piece together a, a consistent season. You know, he goes through really good spells and, and really good and really bad ones. And uh, yeah, and, and also of my knowledge of this fixture, because of his relationship with Norwich, he's never played well in this fixture either. You know, and you'd like to think that he'd want to, to go back to Norwich and put on a show but each time it kind of feels like he's a little bit too nice because he, he he's, he's seeing yeah. all his friends again, you know, and he's on the pitch afterwards cl- clapping all the fans after not playing particularly well or after not winning the game. So I'm I'm hoping that that Madison plays and he plays well and he kind of puts on a show for the Norwich fans. But I've just got this 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 inkling that that a he's not in form and b going on on previous games that he doesn't seem to play particularly well against Norwich. Yeah, I remember there was, there was a moment at the at the King Power in the, um, what was it, 1-1 one, one, one draw. One, uh, yeah. Alex, Alex Tetty challenged him, left a bit on him and, and, and Madison sort of shot back up and then realised it was it was Alex yeah. Tetty. And, and then all the kind of weird, um, angst out of that situation was gone. Yeah, so I guess from his perspective, it, it probably is a little bit difficult to deal with. Probably easier when you're playing against a club that you didn't have um, a particularly good time at, I would imagine, in terms of motivation yeah. and uh, and stuff like that. Um, ben, we've, we've kind of alluded to changes. It was a... Look, 
don't want to dwell on Man City too much. It was a very disappointing performance. Obviously, the result um, was was not particularly great as well. Lots of people looked at it. Minus eight goal difference from playing Liverpool and, uh, and Manchester City as well. Is this is this a, a starting point for Norwich City now? Does their season start here? Can you say that? Do they do they need that international break, especially given the disjointed nature of, of pre-season? How do you view it as a supporter? Great question. Christ. Um, does Norwich's season start here? I guess, kind of. Uh, I kind of had it down in, in the books as, as after Arsenal it starts, or against Arsenal, really. But I'm kind of... I was feeling a little bit positive before this game because we do tend to play quite well against Leicester. I know in the season you won the Premier League, we actually played quite well in both of those games. Um, so that was kind of the cause for a little bit of optimism. I wasn't really aware of the injury situation. All I knew was that Fafana got injured um, and you signed Vestergaard, so I didn't know um, he was injured. So I'm a bit more hopeful now. If we go and play very well, pick up a 1-0 win, a 2-0 win... I think that's the ball rolling for Norwich. I think that's fantastic momentum going into... Is Arsenal before or after the international break? After, yeah. Okay, well, so going into after, I think, again, I don't quote me on this, but isn't aren't Norwich usually okay after international breaks with Daniel Farker? Isn't that a thing people say from time yeah, to time? It's, yeah, it's usually getting past the first international break and then they begin to pick up a bit of form. And to be fair, like you say, once they probably get past... Arsenal, I don't know if you'd include Everton in that bracket at the moment. Their run going towards Christmas is relatively favourable. As 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 well, as favourable as, as it is. <laughs> I was going to say, favourable is a very, very brave word there. Yeah, yeah I, I, do you know what? It was kind of, the, the whole fixtures, the first few fixtures at the beginning of the season were kind of a blessing for Norwich. I'm, I'm not going to lie, to be honest with you, because one, there's the simple logic for any team, I'll get the games out of the way nice and early. Two, you've got the logic of Norwich are typically slow at the beginning of the season. So what better teams to be slow against than Man City, Liverpool, Leicester, Arsenal? Get those games. They aren't the games that keep you in the league. Get them out of the way. Have a favourable run um, near Christmas, which I, I don't know how that will go. But I'm, I'm not too nervous, to be honest with you. I'm genuinely, I'm still in that phase of just being excited to go back to Carrow Road. Like, I, I have no expectations, genuinely. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm totally fine with it. I have no expectations of staying in the Premier League. I believe they can do it, and I am kind of hopeful, but I don't expect it. So for me personally, I think this will be quite different to, to the many in that I am just excited to go back to Carrow Road and enjoy a game of football. I do, however, want to see a better performance. Le- Liverpool was okay. Like I think the buzz of being back at Carrow Road made me sort of glamorise that a little bit more than I should have. It was okay. Man City was terrible. It was just awful the whole game. Man City, I know, but you know, that we didn't lay a glove on them, did we? I want to see a better performance against Leicester. What does that look like? It looks like us scoring a goal for a start. I'd love to see a goal. Um, I'd like to see someone like Milot Rashica score a goal because I think he's going to be a very important player. And I think with the way Norwich are looking to play this season, we could be very successful. It's meant to be, what's it, a 4-3-3, a bit more counter-attacking. We've brought the players in to play like that. Rashica, a great example, a very powerful, quick winger who will look to break. I think Norwich will have a lot of success against Ryan Bertrand. Ryan Bertrand is okay, but it's Ryan Bertrand at the end of the day. I've seen him play a fair bit for for Norwich, but also, which was a very long time ago, but for Southampton. And I swear he was just getting like exposed quite a lot in that weird system they played between. They sometimes had a back three, sometimes had James Ward-Prowse and left mid. It's very weird. So I'm looking forward to um, Rashica going up or Campwell. We don't know who's going to start on what side. I'm looking forward to them going up against um, uh, Ryan Bertrand. Ricardo Pereira, I don't know how good he is defensively. Offensively, 
from when I've seen him, he's been very, very good. Um, I didn't realise he was actually playing. He played against West Ham, right, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so... He'll probably play right wing, I think. Right wing? Yeah. Well, even, even better then, to be honest with you, because defenders in right wing, excite to me. He, he can be as good as you want, but a right back in right wing um, should lean in Norwich's favour, to be honest. But I'm, I'm kind of optimistic, but equally, uh, dare I say, I don't particularly care. It's interesting, right? I've okay. plenty of punches. I've got, I don't work for a journalist outlet. I've got nothing to, nothing to lose. Interesting. <laughs> we, you, you've kind of um, referred to the, the four-three-three there. Interestingly, we saw Daniel kind of stick with that. I mean, it changes in now possession anyway. But um, you, you've spoken about including Sergeant. Uh, I'm guessing you. I'm probably speaking for you, but sh- so shout if you disagree. But McLean and Williams, that those are, are two that you'd, you'd like to see come in as well. So yeah. beyond those kind of three changes that we've spoken about, what else, if if anything, do you, do you kind of expect Daniel Farker to do to that starting eleven? Not much beyond that. You've answered the question, then asked it. <laughs> so fair <laughs> enough for that. But um, Williams, I think once he's in the team, I don't think he loses his place. To be honest with you, because I am. Well, how, how do you? How, okay, if you're the, then Daniel Farker and you're bringing Williams in, given you knew this was not great by Daniel Farker's own admission against Manchester City, how do you then manage that situation? Because you've you've got a left back that you had on loan that you signed permanently, you then brought in someone else on loan who's who's going to replace him. That's going to be a difficult situation to manage for Daniel Farker. Yeah, he's got a good track record, though, of managing those sort of situations, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I can't answer how. I'm not even going to pretend to try. But I think he would, he'll do it very well. Um, you look at any situation in any season with Norwich, if there's a bad egg, they go, do I think Yanulis will be a bad egg? No. Do I think he'll be better as a result of Williams coming in? Yeah. Um, do I, again, I said Williams gets in, he stays. I think that'll happen. But... Yanulis will be a better player for it. Um, he'll improve. We've seen time and time again players come in and bring better performances out of other players. That's just called improving your squad, isn't it? Um, I'm not sold by Yanulis and his defensive abilities. He was very good against Liverpool. Um, I'm not afraid to say he, his performance was very overrated against Liverpool. Like People were going really crazy about it. And I was just thinking, right, let, let's calm down a bit. I, he was okay, but he was as okay as the rest of the team. I know he's playing against Mohamed Salah, but like there is the Norwich tendency of to go one way or the other, but to just get very carried away. Um, I'm very excited for Brandon Williams. Hopefully he doesn't get put in front of goal to score. Remember against Norwich when he just absolutely blazed one over the bar from about two yards out. But I am very excited to see him play for Norwich. I, I am surprised to see him come in, to be honest with you, um, in terms of two Norwich, in terms of him as an individual, because before the season, um, when the idea was kind of mentioned, I was thinking, right, will you sign your new list? Why would you, why would you bring Williams in? But now it's happened and you've seen your new list can't defend. Can he be coached to defend? Yes, but he can't. All right, he can't defend. Let's just please accept that. I'm very interested to see how it plays out. We need a CDM. Like McLean can be as good as he wants. Les Malou on the right can be as good as he wants. Gilmore, wherever he plays, can be as good as he wants. We need someone as an individual to shield the the, the defence because as soon as we get overrun, that's, that's it. Like Norwich are just, they fall apart. And if you look at Manchester City, when there are gaps left, well, you just get exploited. And I know it's Man City, but there's no easy team in the Premier League. Every single Premier League team will have it drilled into them. As soon as there's a space, you exploit it. And Norwich City sometimes leave gaps. Ollie Skip, I'll say his name. I'll say the Messiah's name. We, we really miss him. Obviously, this morning, Carvalho was linked. I, I know very little about him. I know he was promising like six years ago. Um, and he went to Porto, then Betis or whatever. But that sort of player... 
absolutely, I think Norwich should be going for. Who, who's the other guy? Matthias Norman. Matthias Norman, yeah. Another player who I don't know much about, but in terms of the build, someone who's physical, someone who, by the stats, seems comfortable passing the ball, but their job is to defend. That's what we need. Does that fit into a system where you're trying to play counter-attacking football? That depends on the personnel you bring in. Ollie Skip would have been absolutely perfect for it. Will Carvalho, will Norman be quick enough on the ball to get it out and, and allow Norwich to play the way they want to play? We don't know, but that is imperative, more so than a centre-back, in my opinion, um, because the centre-back won't really change the system. Whereas when you bring in a CDM whose job it is to defend, you then get more out of Les Malou, you get more out of Gilmore, you get more out of um, McLean, you get more out of um, Lucas Rupp, anyone. Uh, that, that player could be here, that could be Jacob Zorinson. He was very good against Bournemouth. Old. Um, apparently he looked very comfortable. Um, and the thing is with Sorensen as well, and I'll give credit to, to Billy Dunthorne here, he always says that he never looks like overwhelmed on the ball, which is such an important characteristic for a footballer, especially in a team that are going to be facing a team, who, well, any team really in the Premier League that are going to be very high press against Norwich. No one will sit back against Norwich. That won't happen. Um, so that's kind of the characteristic I'm looking at for a player who might be coming in. So yeah, yeah that's kind of, um, that, that's enough waffle for you. I've been talking for ages there. I do apologise. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, so, so all good um, Jake I'll, I'll ask you finally before we get on to how you see this game going about Jamie Vardy um, he's obviously not getting any younger he's um, Ben spoke about kind of team of Buki earlier and, and mm. maybe then you, you begin to look at kind of succession planning where are Leicester in terms of Jamie Vardy because he's, he's obviously been well talismanic for, for how, well, pretty much half a decade maybe even a bit longer than that now uh, Leicester City legend undoubtedly uh, has the I mean we've seen we've seen Dakar come in, haven't we? Is this kind of with a view to Jamie Vardy? I don't want to say getting on a bit, but that's kind of what I mean, essentially. Yeah, I mean yes and no. I think you have to start all Jamie Vardy conversations with with just reminding everybody that this guy is a freak of nature. Um, so <laughs> write him off at your peril. Um, so last season was a little bit of a strange one. He went on his longest ever um, barren run, and he wasn't playing particularly well. He looked like he was lacking a bit of confidence. But also, you know, I think people forgot that he had surgery in, in the middle of the season and we had to basically rush him back because we didn't have any other striker available. Um, and also, this guy loves playing in front of football fans. And I think he missed that yeah. more than anyone else. He really, really did. So, so Patson Dacker was signed. Um, we saw the incredible form of Kelechi and Acho the back end of last season when they changed the system and played two up front. Um, and now Leicester have genuine options up front as opposed to, you know, having to play Jamie Vardy in every single game. And, you know, he's 35 years old now and and as ridiculous as he is, it'd be nice not to have to play him in, in every single game. So we now have the option of playing a 3-5-2, which should be Vardy and Ian Acho. At the moment, we can't play that formation because all our defenders are injured. Um, but yeah, Pats and Dakar looks like the, the long-term plan. Um, and we've seen a little bit of him in, in pre-season and in the Community Shield, and he looks great. Um, obviously, time will tell how well he does develop and you know adapting to the Premier League and scoring goals in the Premier League, as we all know, is, is probably the hardest thing to do. So the jury is, is of course, still out on, on Pats and Dakar, but he does look exciting. But I have to say, um, in the game against uh, Wolves, first game of the season, Jamie Vardy was man of the match and he was the best player on the football pitch. He was absolutely incredible. So I think he's back to his best. I think he's fit. I think he's revitalised. I think he's loving playing back in, in front of fans again. So I'm really, really confident that that not only will he be Leicester's main striker this season and, and no doubt get close to 20 goals again, which would put him, by the way, in the top 12 
highest goal scorers in Premier League history. I think he's got another couple of seasons in him. I really do. I think he I think he looks as good as ever on on the basis of that Wolves game anyway. Oh, it's, it's it's an incredible story, isn't it, about about Jamie Vardy? Mind blowing. Yeah, part of me is is really looking forward to that foot race between him, Grant Hanley on on Saturday. Um, Grant Hanley rapid Jamie Vardy even more so so that's that's yeah. going to be interesting um Jay let's come to you first then are you going to are you going to be at Cow Road in yeah, the, in, yeah. The, in the away end I presume um, I'm heading up to the fine city tomorrow after work and I am in the away end so um yeah I've already had a chat with with Chris and Jack Reeves I know exactly where they sit um so I've told them we're going to be exchanging some some hand gestures throughout the course of the 90 minutes <laughs> But but we are going for a beer afterwards so uh so yeah all good no, I'm, I'm I'm very much looking forward to coming back for the weekend Good man. So how, how do you see this one going as, as a Leicester fan coming down to Carrow Road? Um, are you optimistic, positive? How, how are you kind of feeling ahead of it? And of course, finally, how, how do you see it going in terms of a score prediction? Yeah, and no, I know this is probably a strange thing to say as, as a, a Leicester fan who are aiming for the top four and a, the FA Cup holders, but I'm not particularly confident. I'm not now. I'm not sure if it's that, that's just because it's, it's me and this game means a lot to me. Um, you know, Norwich are my second team, but when Leicester play Norwich... I want Leicester to win more than any other game. You know, it's, it's a really, it's a really strange emotion that I have to kind of go through when Leicester play Norwich. So I'm not particularly confident, you know, off the back of that defeat against West Ham, and, and because I know our record against Norwich isn't hugely, hugely positive. So I expect a very, very tight game, and I, and I, I'm expecting Norwich to be, you know, bucket loads better than what they were against Man City and and Liverpool. So I don't think there'll be any more than a goal in it. Um, but I can't come on here and, and predict anything other than a, a, than a Leicester win. So I'm going to go 2-1 Leicester. Um, but yeah, not particularly comfortable afternoon. Well, if, if that if that does come to pass, Ben, at least Norwich City will have scored a goal, right? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're That'll do me. So yeah. Let's let's close with you then, Ben. How do you see this game going from a Norwich City perspective? I'm hoping that you're going to predict a Norwich win, but you uh, you may disappoint me. <laughs> um, I think we'll play a lot better. I think I'll be satisfied by the end of the game in terms of performance levels. As we approach match day, I, I, right now I, I'm not that confident of a win, but I know by Friday and then Saturday I will be. So I'll think ahead and I'll say 2-0 Norwich. Cheeky little clean sheet for Norwich. Josh Sargent off the bench. Rashica for the first and the fifth minute. Sargent <laughs> to wrap it up in the 97th. Um, I just, I just want to be, I just want to have a good time. All right. Like Liverpool was fun for 10 minutes, right? Yeah. When you were back and, and the crowd was rocking and then, and then they scored and they scored again and then they scored again. Whereas this time around, I, I think Norwich will do better. Um, but I just want to enjoy it, to be honest with you, which isn't very useful for you. I know Southwell, because this is like, you want some opinion on football, but I just want to enjoy myself. And I, I do think Norwich will win it. 2-0. Um, yeah. I, 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 I want to I want to ask you what you're expecting to happen for there to be seven minutes of added time. Uh, someone gets another Leicester player getting injured. Madison stretching <laughs> off. Cheers, <laughs> mate. Brilliant. We'll, we'll end on that positive note. Jake, Ben, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all very much for watching. Make sure you leave your score prediction uh, down below as well. How confident are you feeling from an Norwich City or a Leicester City perspective if you're uh, if you're watching this and you're a fan of the Foxes ahead of Saturday? It's um, going to be an intriguing one. I'm really looking forward to it. And as Ben mentioned, it's going to be excellent to see 27,000 back at Carrow Road, including uh, Jake and the Leicester fans as well, who I'm sure will enjoy it. Thank you very much for watching and we'll see you again very, very soon.